You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. You got any questions about that, see, Chad? I mean that as far as uh, just what he said, because uh, we do believe if we do believe in election. Uh, we believe in foreknowledge. We believe in predestination. Uh, the Bible kind. Not the kind some, well, I don't want to say some jack leg, because uh, Calvin was more than that. But he got off on this subject, trying to give a, I don't know, man. One thing you've got to understand about God is the Bible still says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen. And one of the things that Calvinism does in my opinion, I think it's a pretty uh, clear thing that they do, but man, they, they just, uh, and it's a lot of the Reformed theology in general, but man, they, uh, they know God better than the Bible ever describes God. It seems. They, they, they want to be able to master and answer and explain every last thing there is to know about God. I can't do that about my wife. I can't do that about myself, but they can do it about God somehow. There's a pride and an arrogancy that comes along with Reformed uh, some of the Reformed theology and the Calvinistic teaching and so forth. Uh, but uh, that'll be for another day as well. But uh, yeah, but make sure you got a good understanding about that. All right, are we going live yet? Of course. All right. Uh, well, I want to uh, I want to share some verses with you today. We're 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 inching our way into the Book of Thessalonians, and once we get there, buddy, we're moving. Uh, I didn't say how fast, I just said we're moving, all right? But, uh, but I, I, I thought about this, and uh, man, some of you, how many of you like history? All right, a few of you, and for the rest of you, just bear with me. I, I know that uh, not everybody does, but on April 9th, 1942, the United States uh, surrendered Bataan to the Imperial Army of Japan in the very heart of the six bloody years of World War II. It was the largest surrender in American history. On December 7, 1941, just hours after bombing Pearl Harbor, the Japanese had turned their fury on the American forces in the Philippines, a pivotal, a pivotal, a pivotal and vulnerable air and naval crossroads. Because the Americans were paralyzed by the attack on Hawaii, they couldn't respond to the Japanese Zero fighters who raided two major airfields nine hours after Pearl Harbor, wiping out half of the Air Force in a matter of 45 minutes. Almost every available plane was destroyed within a couple of days, crippling General Douglas MacArthur's ability to defend the Philippines. The war for Bataan, a key province on the Philippine island of Luzon, began one month later. On January 7, 1942, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, they had cut off naval support uh, to the Philippine Army, or that the Philippine Army des desperately needed, Many are meaning that tens of thousands of troops were left fighting for their lives with no help in sight, trying desperately to hold the strategic port of Manila Bay, but without any reinforcements or provisions. General MacArthur consolidated his American and Filipino forces into the Bataan Peninsula for one last ill-fated stand. But on March 11th of 1942, President Franklin Roosevelt ordered MacArthur off of the Philippines. He said, you've got to get out of there because 
the fall to Japan was inevitable. It was going to happen, and he did not want uh, this, you know, one of the greatest generals in history to be, uh, to fall to Japan. So he had, he pulled MacArthur out and had him retreat. And, uh, and of course, uh, as, as some of you know, they, he, uh, he left the stronghold at the island of uh, uh, Corregidor, I believe is the way you pronounce it. I'm going to pronounce some of these Filipino names wrong. Some of you have been there. Uh, as the general sailed away, uh, what the brave, the, the brave men he left behind, he knew what they would suffer. And he resolved, and this is what I'm getting to, he resolved this promise, I shall return. He did not want to leave. He was ready to stay there and face whatever consequences he was going to have to face with his men. Uh, but Roosevelt would not allow him to do so. And so he didn't disobey orders, but he said, I shall return. I am not, I, I know these guys are, that uh, their fate is, they're in bad shape. Uh, the Philippines fallen to Japan. I shall return. A promise that he would repeat over and over again. When his plane touched down in Melbourne, Australia, he gave a now famous speech declaring, When I landed on your soil, I said to the people of the Philippines, whence I came, I shall return. Tonight, I repeat those words, I shall return. Nothing is more certain than the ultimate reconquest and liberation from the enemy in those adjacent lands. Two and a half years later, on October 20th, 1944, MacArthur did return. He landed on the shore of the Leite, uh, on the shore of uh, Leite, and with 280,000 soldiers under his command, he recaptured and finally liberated the Philippines. A story that reverberates with an even deeper and more epic victory. Now, uh, many of you are familiar with that uh, story and uh, about. That and, and some of you know the deeper story behind that, that when MacArthur left, that for, the, for two and a half years, it was an absolute nightmare in the Philippines. It was a nightmare for the, the Filipinos. It was a nightmare for the, the soldiers who ultimately surrendered. Um, and uh, there is a, a famous uh, march that was called the Bataan Death March on April 9, 1942. Uh, these crippled, sick soldiers had to be marked. They were marched 66 miles uh, to where they were going to the to Camp O'Donnell, which was going to be a POW camp uh, where they were going to be prisoners of the Japanese. But along the Bataan Death March, if, if soldiers faltered at all, and many of them did, they were often beaten, bayoneted, or even beheaded. Sometimes the Japanese struck and killed without warning or cause, uh, reveling in their prisoners' agony. And one of the reasons behind that is if you know anything about the Japanese during this era, uh, they despite, they did not believe in surrender. And so for these guys surrendering, they had zero respect for these prisoners of theirs. And so as a result of that, the historians estimate that around 3,000 men died during the Bataan, the Bataan Death March. That means that about every 100 feet, roughly, there was a soldier dying that was being killed. About every 100 feet on that 66-mile march. Then the survivors finally arrived at Camp O'Donnell, uh, and there again, it's just a nightmare on top of that. But again, finally, uh, MacArthur lived up to his promise, and he returned. Now, the reason I started with that illustration partly is because I, I love history, but I love uh, thinking about the correlation between that. But Jesus said in John 14, verse 3, he said, uh, if I go away, I will come again. 
I will come again and receive you unto myself. Think about a couple of things that are interesting that are that between these uh, the, the story with MacArthur, there's some things that aren't the same, but it is interesting, uh, the surrender. Now, did you know that Jesus Christ surrendered his life on the cross? Now, the difference is his surrender meant conquest, but then he ascended up into heaven and he... Uh, he, he, he was motivated, of course, by the joy that was set before him. But like MacArthur had to leave his soldiers behind, Jesus left this earth. Now, we know he didn't leave us comfortless. The Bible says, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. We have the Holy Spirit of God that, that indwells us. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. But the, the, the point is the same. If you th think about it, if you will, just for a moment, since Jesus left, Think about the way Christians have been treated over the last 2,000 years. See, we, we have been uh, blessed. We have had in, in our country, because of this great country of ours, we're coming up on July 4th, because of this great country of ours, uh, we forget that most of human history, Christians have been treated uh, uh, much like they were being treated on that death march. They have been treated like the all-scouring of the earth. We've had about a 246-year reprieve from that in our country and the effect that our country's had around the world. Um, and, and again, we're losing a lot of that. We're seeing uh, some of that come back. We're seeing the State Department, uh, how little they cared about persecution around the world. Pompeo came in and, of course, uh, started raising awareness about that once again. Uh, but then there again, uh, we're, we're kind of back in a similar situation. But the point that I'm trying to make is that Jesus said this before he left. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Thank God he did not leave us to fend for ourselves like MacArthur had to leave his soldiers to fend for uh, themselves. But the, the last word that Jesus ever said to us, now just think about this, the last words that were ever recorded that Jesus Christ spoke, uh, you know what they are? You can find them in Revelation 22, verse number 20. If you don't want to turn over there and see those, the very last words that Jesus Christ had to say in Revelation 22, and verse number 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. So you know what Jesus is saying? I shall return. I shall return. He left. And he left us on this earth. He left us with a mission. And he left us with a purpose. And he left us with a divine calling. But folks, he said, I shall return. Surely I come quickly. We wait along the shore of eternity, staring intently over the wide and raging seas that are before us, praying with urgency, and we pray today along with the Apostle John, continuing there in verse 20 to where uh, uh, John's response to the Lord Jesus Christ's last words to the church was this, even so, come Lord Jesus. Boy, can't you imagine how often those, uh, th those soldiers, especially those prisoners of war, and some of those Filipinos that were holding out and fighting still were just thinking, man, when's he coming back? MacArthur said he was going to return. He vowed he was going to return. And don't you know that they had to give those men hope? But don't you know there was times they began to lose hope? 
Don't you know there had to be times when they began to wonder, are we going to win this thing? Are we going to survive the brutality that we're facing? But ultimately, praise God, he, John MacArthur, did return. He came back with reinforces. And let me tell you something. Um, they took over, amen. Uh, they got there. They began to defeat the Japanese. They began to break the will of the Japanese. And I'm telling you, they were able to get back and win back and win the independence of uh, the Philippine Islands. And we're thankful for that. But folks, I'm telling you, much like those there, uh, God's people have been in a long battle. And we've been on a long march. And I'm telling you, there's times we're not careful. We can begin to wonder, uh, boy, is he ever coming back? But when we study the book of Thessalonians, what we're finding is that Jesus indeed is coming again. He promised folks he would come again. Jesus said he was returning. And you want to you know what? He's coming. Amen. And so see, you, you think about this. Imagine, imagine those people maybe in that, that were in that, that Camp O'Donnell, that awful nightmare of a POW camp. Imagine them holding out hope for the Japanese to just start doing better and to get better or something like that. Folks, that just wasn't going to happen. Their only hope was for MacArthur to come. And it's the same way with us today. The hope of this world is in Jesus Christ. And now that doesn't mean that we just pack up somewhere and say, okay, Jesus, I'm waiting for you to come. What we're going to find out is as a result of the Lord coming, it ought to motivate us to continue to do the work of Almighty God. I've said this before, but am I wrong to feel like that there can almost be a sense as we begin to see what God already said would come to pass. You know, Atreyu was mentioned some of the things uh, there in the service. I was thinking about nation rising against nation. Folks, you know, the nation there, that's referring to what, uh, what society would call races. We know there's one race, the human race, but nation rising against nation. Uh, you know, ethnic wars and race wars and all of these things. And you just go right on down the list. We, we're just seeing the Bible being fulfilled around us. And it's a crazy thing because it seems like uh, some Christians almost seem like they want to panic and abandon the mission that God put us on to start with and abandon what he told us to do. Folks, that's why, that's why what he started back then was in preparation for this. He knew. He knew in his foreknowledge, as was mentioned before. All that, all that we would be facing. And may I speak a word of encouragement to you today. Atreyu alluded to this as well. Folks, you and I are here for this time. We were born for this time. We're here for this hour. We're here for this day. We're here for the people that we, were, that we will encounter. My friend, yes, the enemy fights against us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But you are here for this purpose. You are here for this time. Just as we read and look at the other heroes throughout the Bible and throughout history, they were there for the time that they were. But folks, we're here for this time. And I'm telling you, it's an, it's an exciting time to be alive. It's an exciting time to be a Christian. It's an exciting time to be born again. It's an exciting time to be able to have the privilege and the opportunity to raise kids for the glory and honor of God. Now that's countercultural, isn't it? Chad, you ever have people, I don't want, well, I wouldn't want to bring kids into this world. Well, I do. Amen. Because uh, I tell you, the enemy is. Amen. Uh, there, there's kids coming from that. And we know that there's uh, those that are fighting against any coming to this world. But the point just simply being that the Lord, folks, he is coming again. Hallelujah. So 1 Thessalonians, as we get into there, we're going to find out that it's rich in doctrinal and practical content about, uh, about the, the word of God's teaching in regards to the, in the, the Lord's return. He's coming again. You say, is he coming right now? 
Maybe. But maybe not. But I know he's coming. And I know he's, I know he's coming quickly because he promised he was coming quickly. I, I've already read to you John 14, 3. He said, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. He said in Luke 12, 40, he said, be ye therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Thessalonians expounds, I believe, Acts chapter 1. Would you please turn with me to Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1. I believe there's an expounding of Acts 1. Because I would ask you today, what do you think of when you think about the second coming? What do you think about when you think about the coming of the Lord? Do you think about the coming of the Lord? But I just, I'm just, I'm literally asking, it's Wednesday night, so I'm backing off my preaching mode and I'm going into Bible study mode for just a moment, and I'm asking you, what do you think of when you think of the second coming? Or when you hear, uh, what's the first word, first thought that comes to mind when you think, hear the second coming of Christ? Sound of the trumpet, that's a great one. Sound of the trumpet, amen. Hey, and by the way, I know that there's plenty of, uh, I know there's plenty of uh, signs, but folks, I'm not looking for signs, I'm listening for the sound, amen. I mean, listen, I, I see the signs, but I'm listening for the sound. Any Anybody else? I'm kind of preaching and teaching now. All right, yeah, Ron. Imagine seeing him in the air. Hey, man, what a day. I'm telling you, hey, can you remember? I, I wonder. I, see, some of see some of y'all hadn't had the privilege that some of us have had, and that could fall back on me. But some of us, we got saved by the grace of God, and we started hearing about the second coming. And we started hearing about the rapture of the church. Anybody remember those days? Anybody remember looking long, uh, looking with uh, with a longing toward the eastern sky, and just like, man, this could be the day. This could be. Anybody remember saying, "Man, I, I like these beautiful days when there's not a cloud in the sky." But in a way, I don't because I want there to be some clouds because it says He's coming in the clouds. You know. Uh, anybody remember that? I, I can. I remember. I just remember. This could be it. I remember one time it was so cool. Had a new convert when I was in Pierre and uh, just discipling him. He just was right by my side all the time. Young man that got saved. Uh, young Native American man got saved. And uh, and we're riding around. And, and I taught him about the And we're just riding. We're like riding to church one day. And I don't I think. I know Melody's got to remember this story. But we're just riding. The, down the, we're on our way to church. We're doing something. He was always with me. And, and we're just riding. All of a sudden he says, Oh! Oh! Preacher! And I'm like, what in the world, man? And it was just like a really bright star uh, in the sky. It was like in the sky early. But then, you know, probably, probably Jupiter or something, Venus. I don't know. But he, he thought, there he is. He's coming. And, uh, and, and you know, I tell you what, man. Uh, I wonder if we ought to be like that a little bit more still, don't you? Oh, but we're too busy, though. We're too busy if we're not careful looking at, oh, all that's wrong in the world and all this. He said it was going to all be wrong. But he said we can be right. And he said that he can use us to make things right. But look at this. I Just think about the second coming of the Lord. Think, think about the return of the Lord. And I hope to be able to say this because I may stop before then. But one of the things that Paul clears up for us that we're going to talk about is the confusion between the coming of the Lord. So in other words, is Jesus coming? Is he coming? As a thief, let me finish. Is he coming as a thief in the night? Or is he coming and everybody, it's going to be obvious for everybody? I heard somebody say both. Is that right? That's right. Now, there's nothing confusing about, well, there don't have to be anything confusing about that. I understand that that can sound confusing. The point is, when he comes 
when, when he comes for the rapture, the calling away of the church, that's when he comes like a thief in the night. I'm getting excited, man. Uh, listen, that's when he comes as a thief in the night. And, uh, and because he's not going to return all the way to the earth, that's the one I mentioned. He's going to come and call us, and so shall we meet him in the air when he calls. And he says, come up hither. What a day that's going to be, man. Hey, I know this world's rough. I know this world's eventually going to pot. And, I, and listen, the, the world is still solid in life. You know, you know what God said about us? God said that, uh, that uh, unto he, that he that letteth will let. And until he be taken out of the way. In other words, that's the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. God is working in our lives. And God will continue to work through the church until the day we're out of here. But this world's going this way. The folks were going this way. Amen? I mean, listen. I mean, just, just think about that. I heard a fellow say one time, so the rapture, we're going to hear the trumpet sound. Come up hither. And I mean, just like that, I'm going to be in the twinkling of an eye, and I'm bam, with Jesus in the air. I, there's an old preacher. I can't remember which one it was. Ralph, but he said, man, he said, I'm going out of here like Superman and coming back like a long ranger. Amen. Because when Jesus comes back to, to set up his throne, to set up his set his foot down on this earth and sit on the throne of David, folks, the Bible says he's coming back, and he's coming back riding on a white horse. And guess what you and I are doing? We're going to be riding along with him on those white horses. Amen. Out of here like Superman, back like the long ranger. You got to be my age older to appreciate that, I suppose. Uh, but what I'm saying is, he's coming again. And can I just stop and tell you something that excites and blesses my heart today? And, I, and just to just just follow up on uh, Chad, you're talking about God seeing all time, God seeing all eternity. Uh, I, I asked this question for You know there's a good question to ask? And ask this question, did John see you? I, you some of you have heard me say this before, but it's got to be, did John see what was going to happen? Well, apparently he did because it hadn't happened yet. He saw what happened. So here's about the point I'm making. John saw a bunch of people get raptured out. John saw a bunch of people around the throne praising God and giving glory to the Lamb. I mean, just having a spell. And I mean, and there were some Midwesterners there. There were. You know, I know that. There were some Midwesterners there because the Bible says there was a great multitude that I mean that was just praising God and they were shouting But then the Bible says that an angel came back and said, okay now, everybody. <laughs> so there are still some questions. They're just sitting on their hands, you know, looking around. And, and the angel said, all right, everybody. I'm just picking amen. But, but then sure enough, everybody begins to praise the Lord. And then he sees them coming back on the white horses and everything. My chronological, chronological stuff could, should, could have got thrown off there. But here's the point I'm making. If John, if John would have looked real close there in the book of Revelation, you'd guess he, he would have saw my smiling face coming back on one of them horses. He'd have saw me right there. Is that right? You better believe it's right. If, if he would have looked real closely, and by golly, I'm determined I'm going to be in that crowd that, that's on the first group. Amen. That angel ain't going to tell me to praise God. I'm just going to be happy to be praising him. And somebody said it this way. We need to go ahead and get our practice in now. You know, let's just go ahead and get in our practice and, and just praise him now. But he saw me. You understand what I'm saying? Because he saw what is to be. Okay. Uh, Acts chapter 1. This is cool to me. Acts chapter number 1. This is, to me, 1 Thessalonians is going to expound on this. 1 Thessalonians 6. I'm sorry. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. 
When they, therefore, were come together, they asked of him, saying, now this is Jesus. How long was Jesus on the earth after his resurrection? You know that? Forty days on this earth. Forty days Jesus was on this earth before he ultimately ascended. Now, he ascended right away to present the blood, but then he came back, and for 40 days he was on this earth ministering. Uh, and that's why, man, that's why people that try to deny the Bible, I ain't going to go down that road. But can you imagine, can you imagine being in a court case and saying, well, do you have any eyewitnesses? And can you imagine 400 people showing up and saying, well, we all saw him at the same time. And then the rest of the people he encountered among those 40 days said, yep, we saw him die, we saw him alive. Uh, that's, why the, that's why the skeptics and that's why those that try to deny this Bible, that's the reason, hallelujah, this Bible still stands, folks. This, this word right here, I mean, you talk about, listen, if there was an error in this book, uh, Ella, you want to know what? They would have already been able to find it and cast it down. Now, they try to make a lot of false accusations, but it don't stick because this word of God is true. And the more we learn about science, the, Lord, the more we learn about archaeology, the more we learn, the more we see God's word is right. And, uh, but, but uh, all right, where am I here? All right, uh, verse 6. When they therefore were coming together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time? Now, let's listen to this question. Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of it to Israel? All right? Now, let's just, what was the disciples waiting for the whole time Jesus was on the earth before his crucifixion? And everybody else said, the kingdom. It's going to be great. You know, John's mama even asked, you know, she says, John, John's mama, she was one of them that John, John and James, I guarantee you, they always were the, were the one that sold the most cookies. You know, and they were always the one for the scouts that sold the most popcorn. You know why? Because Mama was out there doing it for them. I don't believe in that personally, but you do what you want to do, all right? I remember, I ain't going to go down that road, but it doesn't matter, all right? But John's Mama and James said, Lord, can my boy sit on each, uh, one on your right hand, one on your left when you come into your kingdom? She, she loved her boy. She was looking out for him, but, but, but they were looking for his kingdom. And Jesus said, no, no, not yet. Uh, so Jesus dies. He, he's resurrected. He's on the earth for 40 days. And guess what the disciples are thinking? Okay. This is it, Jesus. So is it time? Are you going to sit on the throne? Are you going to fulfill those prophecies going all the way back to the Old Testament? So that's what they're asking, which is interesting to me. But then look, continue with me there in verse number 7. And he said unto them, and by the way, there are some of you need to underline this, these next few words of Jesus and apply them to any area of questions that you come across sometime. It is not for you to know. I need to know what's God said. It might just not be for you to know. Amen. But he said this, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. <laughs> I love this. This is where I say what we learn in 1 Thessalonians how it's going to apply to us. Lord, are you going to set up your kingdom? Is it now? When are you going to come? And he says, well, that's not for you to know. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth. It, that's kind of an interesting response, isn't it? Lord, we're ready to come into the kingdom. 
We're ready to rule with you. Jesus said, not yet. But here's what you are going to do. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're going to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God, and you're going to be my witnesses. All right? So just keep that in mind. Then he goes on to say in verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received them out of their sight. Just go stand with me here. I mean, just imagine the conversation among the disciples among these 40 days. Man, it's on. It is on. They took down Jesus, but Jesus is about to take this crowd down, man. I mean, Jesus is about to take, uh, he, he's about to take Caesar down. He's about to overthrow this whole deal. This is going to be awesome. Hey, man, where are you going to rule at? Where do you think Jesus is going to let your throne be? You know, where are you going to rule around with the man? These conversations are happening. And they're like, so Lord, now is it time? Is it time? Ah, oh, you don't need to be over there yet. Not important. I'll tell you what is important, though. You'll be witnesses. I'm going to give you power. Why? So that you can stand up in front of everybody and proclaim how powerful you are in the Holy Ghost. No. I'm going to give you power so you can go be witnesses. That's what Jesus says. Go be a witness. What are we supposed to be doing today? Christian, it's easy to get drug into some... There's some arguments that we need to have. I, I hope you all understand that when I say that, you know, about getting drawn into some stuff, I'm not saying we all not stand ground and that there's not a place to have some conversations with people. But I'm telling you, sometimes we can just feed into the devil's uh, traps of divisiveness and, uh, and we're missing the main thing. I dare say, one of my greatest concerns about the people freaking out about no longer being able to, you know, uh, kill babies. I, I saw this thing. I don't know where Nicole's at. She's probably in the nursery, so hopefully she can hear me. But I saw this little thing of saying, well, hey, hey, hey now, now that you, you folks are trying to keep more babies alive, you need to be able to support, you need to do something to support these mothers and these babies that are going to be born. It's like, well, yeah, that's why we have, you know, crisis pregnancy. We, we have those already. By the way, there's a, did you know there's a ton more of those than there are abortion clinics throughout the nation? That's it. Yeah. Follow-up question? Oh, really? What's the address so we can go firebomb it? Right? What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with these people? Yeah, you're asking yourself that. What's wrong with these people? I'll tell you what's wrong with them. They need somebody to witness to them. Preach, I don't really want to witness to them. I want to beat them upside the head. <laughs> right? Uh, but I'm telling you, people are just lost. So what if I can so what if I can lead somebody into my conservative? Why do I have a conservative belief system? I'll tell you why, because I'm saved. And you say, well, it's just common sense. I believe that too. But what's wrong with these people? They're blinded and deluded by, by Satan. Man, I, 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 that's why that's why. I want to be able to have a dialogue because if, you, if you'll notice, and I'm not going too far down that road, but I'm telling you, I'm just saying, may God help us to be witnesses for him. I, I've told you already, that may include being a witness for running for office, being a witness as you're going to vote, being a witness as you're trying to have a conversation with somebody about these controversial uh, issues. But ultimately, be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, so, so again, they're, they're asking Jesus, Jesus said, just going to be witnesses to me. 
And just imagine this. So, Lord, so it's not going to be, it's not going to be now that you uh, are restoring your kingdom. Jesus is just ascending. There he goes. Lord, where are you going? <laughs> just get the picture there. Where it's all, man. Kingdom's getting established. Then Jesus will start floating away from you. That's, that's what's going on here. But then he goes on to say this. Verse number 10, and it says that they were, a, a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, this is a good question right here, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He's coming again. Uh, so I believe what Thessalonians is going to do, and I'm just going to stop it right there. What Thessalonians is going to do, I'm going to stop it right here. What Thessalonians is going to do is help us, and maybe even ask us the question, why stand ye here? Why stand ye here? Back years ago, I used to overhaul equipment in a textile mill down in Grover, South Carolina. Ever heard of it? Uh, probably not. Uh, but I used to overhaul machinery down there, and uh, I was actually the head overhauler. You say, how'd you get that? How'd you get that job? I knew the boss. Amen. Uh, I didn't know hardly anything when I started doing it, but I figured it out as I went. Uh, head overhauler. But anyway, uh, so, so we, we, would, we would work on equipment, rebuild equipment, stuff would fall apart, and also be on us to go fix it. But I remember we hired this fella, and his name was Time. That wasn't his given name. I don't believe that was his Christian name. But his name was Time. And it wasn't because old Tiny was small. It was because Tiny, he was as round as he was tall. <laughs> he was just a ball, you know, uh, of, of a man. And old Tiny, I mean, I, I kind of see how he might have got. Because Tiny was the type of fella, I'm a linger. Anybody else lingers? If you're talking to me for any amount of time, I'm trying to go find something to do like this on, you know. Well, old Tiny had me beat, because he wouldn't just leave. He would be like this. And uh, so, so you'd have work to do. You'd have a machine that we got to get this, we're doing production here. we got to get this thing up and running. And uh, and so, so Tiny, got, come on, Tiny, we got to get this machine up and going. Okay, uh, what are you thinking? Blah, blah. And so you know what I'd do to Tiny? I'd, I'd pull out my 19 millimeter wrench. I'd say, Tiny, here. Get down there and start loosening up that bolt and and uh, and here I start handing tiny tools, not tiny tools. I hand tools to tiny. <laughs> Those, can you imagine little tiny tools that I work with? But no, I gave regular size tools to tiny, and uh, and, and I put tools in it to say, okay. And, and and what I believe First Thessalonians is going to, and Second Thessalonians is going to do for us is it's going to put some tools in our hands. And it's going to give us some things. Because I can sit here and fuss all day long. And I'll, man, come on, let's, let's get involved. Let's be witnesses. And you're sitting there, well, man, he might be leaning there like tiny. Like, okay, it looks like something we ought to do. And that's how you do. He would just be all bent over and leaning on that thing. Uh, whatever it might be. But my point is, by the grace of God, we're going to get some tools put in our hands. We're going to get some wrenches put in our hands. And say, by God, here's what we can do. Jesus is coming, people. And we got something we can do. And, uh, and being a witness, but, but there will be a lot more good practical lessons that we learn in Thessalonians, and there will be some good doctrinal things that we learn as well. All right.